The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringer's Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Ringers, Philly special, Shiel Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak. It's the Thursday 10. It's going to go up on Thursday uh, this week, so we can call it that. We'll do another mailbag edition. Uh, I love this. We asked for quite people have a lot of questions, a lot of repeat questions, so that helps us know what topics are on the minds of listeners. We'll get to those. We'll incorporate our film review, and of course, we'll look ahead. Week 11 at the Indianapolis Colts, Ben Solak, that line's down to six and a half. We thought it was going to be higher yeah. after that Sunday, after Monday night, didn't the we? The look ahead was 11 and a half and it's down <laughs> five points. And that's a lot. <laughs> I don't know about that. So down, yeah, down to, down to South again, as I've said, I have struggled to pick these Eagles games against the spread this year. I cannot get one right to save my life. So if you want to just fade me the rest of the season, that might be a good strategy. We've got news this week, Benjamin, a lot. I feel like a lot has happened since our Monday night post game pod. Let's get to it right away. The, the listeners uh, addressed the news with a lot of their questions. So we will just jump into it there. Nick field. Number one asks, how will the offense change to accommodate the Dallas Goddard injury? Will we still see 12 and 13 personnel? Is there a running back who can fill Goddard's swing pass role? Will A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith need to shoulder even more of the load? Or should Quez Watkins and Zach Pascal get more snaps? So if you haven't seen it, uh, Dallas Goddard on the play. The, I mean, really, talk about the worst play of the season. The worst play of the Eagles season so far, no question. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He gets his helmet grabbed, he fumbles, uh, and he injures his shoulder. So he's on IR. He's out, that means, for the next four weeks. And I know we've talked about it. Uh, some people were blaming us, rightfully so. I mean, we addressed this last week talking about how indispensable, really, Goddard is. He's second among tight ends in receiving yards first in yards per reception, second in catch percentage, first in yards after the catch, fourth in yards per route run, and he's second on the team in receiving yards. And by the way, I didn't even mention uh, his blocking in any of that. So I, again, I, I, yeah. I had him as a, you know, second team all pro at this point in the season. Now that will take a bit of a hit, but uh, what do you think of the question? Goddard's out. Uh, what changes do they make? What adjustments do they make? How do you see this offense looking? I guess starting this Sunday. Yeah, so it's really bad. We discussed in the <laughs> midseason show, uh, you know, who would be the worst guys to get injured. We're like, yeah, Jalen Hurts, yeah, Edgy Brown, but like, if they lost Goddard, man, like Goddard is such an important uh, 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 piece to this offense because he doesn't reveal any tendency, because he doesn't, like, you know, AJ Brown, they use him against man coverage. Devontae Smith, they use him down the field. You know, like, you kind of like know what guys the Eagles like in which spots. With Goddard, he's just on the field for 100% of the snaps. 
They can run behind him. They can run with him out leading. They can run him deep down the field. They can run him short. They can run a screen for him. They can hit him intermediate, contested catch, yards after catch. Like He just does everything you could ask a tight end to do, and then he's also a hugely important part of the running game. When you change him out for Jack Stoll, you lose value in run blocking, period. Like Stoll's a good run blocker, but not at the level of Goddard. And then you massively lose value in terms of the 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 receiving game, right? Like the as a defense, you had to be legitimately concerned about the little play action tight end screen. It's a dumb, stupid little play, but Goddard was so good after the catch, and Eagles offensive line so good in space that it mattered. You had to worry about it. Go, oh, their Eagles are inside the 30. They like this look. Watch out for this tight end screen. With Jack Stoll, you're just like, yeah, okay, if they run it, whatever. We just go tackle him. <laughs> it just changes the, the, the color of it. The uh, the slant flat RPO, right? The Eagles bread and butter play. When that ball gets to Dallas Goddard in the flat, gets to Dallas Goddard on the little curl, he can break a tackle, right? He can turn up field and actually make that a, a relatively sizable gain on what's an extremely easy and basic play. You lose that with Stoll. And if you try to get Calcaterra in there, Calcaterra's more after the catch. He's, he's a quicker guy. You just don't have enough in, in run blocking. You cannot rely on him to win one-on-ones the way Goddard does against defensive ends and against linebackers. Massively changes your running game. So I think your best short-term solution is Zach Pascal, Because if you're looking for the guy who has an equal level of versatility, who doesn't tip his hand when he's on the field, when he's like lined up tight to line of scrimmage right off the tackles, but this time like Goddard would be in a three-point stance, Pascal would just be in a two-point stance. But if you're looking for that guy who doesn't tip the hand, who, who lets this offense work in its simplicity by not revealing what's coming next... Pascal's the guy. He's a great blocking receiver. He, they went, when they want to wrinkle that slant flat RPO and not run it to Goddard, they run it to, to Pascal. They run him in, in, in motion across the formation, right? A little jet motion, and they'll toss him in the flat, let him turn up field, right? I don't think he's as good downfield as uh, as Goddard is, but he's, as far as receivers go, a quality blocker, and he's a tough guy to bring down. He's a, he's a big dude. He'd be tough to tackle. So I think Pascal is your best short-term solution to like filling the Goddard role as the Eagles change and evolve the offense, because they're not going to have to just simply become a more spread out team, run more bubble screens. They're going to have to run like new stuff because they don't have Goddard anymore. Short term to try to account for the loss, you use Pascal. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, th- this is a massive loss. This is like an changes the offense type of loss. The offense is just not going to be as good without Dallas Goddard. If you look at their personnel percentages, you know, just to kind of address the question, they've been 11 in 11 personnel, 69.1% of the time, which ranks 11th. Uh, I think that goes up for sure. I, I think you have to choose your best five players and get them out there. I don't need to see a lot of 12 personnel with uh, Stoll and Calcaterra and uh, Jackson if he's back on the field. I don't need to see any 13 personnel. They've been third in the NFL in percentage of 13 personnel. Uh, I don't really need to see that without... Guaranteed they're going to use 13 personnel. I know. Guys. No, no yeah. doubt in my mind. Yeah, I mean, what we saw, I mean, second and eight, someone you know asked a, a little... I don't think we have this question on here, but second and eight on that last drive last week, they're going 13 personnel... Uh, you know, with Quez Watkins, I, I don't need to see those packages anymore. So I, I think the personnel certainly changes. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, Jack Stoll has four catches for 49 yards. So I'm just a complete non-factor. Like he's been on the field. Calcaterra has got what? Like two for 45? One for 40. Big one long. Catch yeah. One. One so if you're going to run wow, that I gave screen. Him a second little one yeah. that I assumed I forgot somewhere. <laughs> if you're going to run that screen to a tight end, I think Calcaterra would be the guy. I think on kind of an every down basis, Stoll will probably uh, be the guy. And then we'll see. But I'm with you on Pascal. I mean, Pascal almost sort of plays wide receiver like a tight end. He's a physical guy. He can block. And so I would expect to see more Quez Watkins, more uh, Zach Pascal, maybe Quez Watkins when you're in obvious passing situations. And and maybe more Pascal on early downs. But uh, it's going to be a challenge. Let's see. You get some adversity. Now, Eagles offensive coaching staff, I mean, they've just got, the offense has just been rolling. They've done a great job. We compliment them every week. There's no doubt about it. And this is a legit blow. I think we both agreed, other than Hertz and A.J. Brown, this is probably the guy you could least afford to lose uh, on the offense. And now you're going to be without him for a month. So we will see what that looks like. All right. Question number two from Matt Jennings. 
Hi, Sheila and Ben. Big fan of the show. By the way, if you like, if you start out the question with big fan of the show, or maybe you compliment my nice shiny head or, uh, you know, something like that, or what we're wearing, uh, you're probably going to have a better chance to get your questions answered. I'm just, you know, I'm just telling you. So not all podcast hosts will tell you that. That's good. Yeah. Not all podcast hosts would admit that. I'm going to be honest with you and at least admit that. All right. He says, I realize it was one dimensional last year, but what are your thoughts on the Eagles shifting to a more run heavy approach for a few weeks, it would spell the defense and hopefully minimize the Avante Maddox and Jordan Davis losses on defense. So I guess he's saying a little more uh, ball control looks mm-hmm. a little bit more like last year. If you look at it now, Ben, uh, I hadn't looked at this in a while. Eagles passing the ball 58.9% of the time on early downs. That ranks sixth in terms of yeah. frequency. Now, listen, a lot of those RPOs, screens, slants, it's not like they're going deep on every uh, first and second down, but certainly ha- a much higher percentage than we saw in the second half of last year. Do you expect them to change the offense in that respect, just in terms of the run-pass balance and the approach with Goddard out? I like I think they'll change it situationally the same way they did when he was healthy. You know what I mean? Like, I think you you have the Colts upcoming on Sunday. Colts are a really good run defense, really bad pass defense. I think they're going to be heavy pass rate. I think that that last year, I'm not sure you had enough confidence in your quarterback to just walk out and be a pass first team on any given on any given uh, Sunday, any given week. So you said, all right, we're going to have to find ways to run the football no matter what. And if we're a little bit more pass happy, we get to our flashing game, whatever. But like, this is our identity. And I think you now you're Brown. And you have A.J. Brown. It's, yeah. it's a very good point. Now you're at the point where I think you feel strong enough, certainly in your pass catchers, as, as you bring up in terms of uh, uh, A.J., but then also in confidence with your quarterback where it's like, all right, if we enter a game where we're like, yeah, we should beat this team throwing the football, then let's beat them throwing the football. No Goddard is 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 tough. Like, it's absolutely a thing, but he's he's the second highest target getter on this Eagles offense, right? He, he was second in target share to A.J. Brown. Devontae is a, is a solid third. All right, we lose number two. Time to throw to Devontae a little bit more. Get somebody else involved. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you uh, you look at good quarterbacks in the league. They they get to throw to good players, but eventually they got to throw to like not as good players. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, like you know this uh, the NFL passing offense is sustained three plus four plus targets. You're gonna have to throw your Quez Watkins of the world and your Jack Stoles of the world and your Zach Pascals of the world. So I think that that situationally, you know what I'm saying? Like I think that they, if they get the Giants, they feel like they can run really well in the Giants defense. They'll do that, but it won't be because Goddard's not there. It'll be because they think they can run on him. I agree. I don't think we're going to see a massive change. Uh, I think one of their strengths is that they can do both of those things well. That's been a strength of this team is you can look at the opponent, you can look at the matchups, you can look at the game situation, and you can decide what you want to lean on. I mean, in terms of efficiency, they're sixth in offensive uh, passing DVOA. They're fourth in rushing DVOA. They have both those things at their disposal. And so, no, I don't think they're going to have some kind of massive uh, change in their approach, when you have A.J. Brown, when you have Hurts playing well, when you still have Devontae Smith, when you still have a good offensive line, you're still going to be able to pass the football. And the point that uh, Matt was making was, you know, stringing together long drives and maybe helping your defense out. Like, they kind of do that anyway. I mean, their passing game, they're, even the drives where they were successful last week, I haven't looked at the plays per drive stats or anything like that. But this is a team that we've seen is capable of putting together 9, 10, 11, 12 play uh, drives on a pretty yeah. consistent basis. And so I think that uh, that will continue. And the Goddard thing, like, yes, Goddard, we're going to feel it more, I think, in the passing game. But I think we're going to be talking about it quite a bit in the in the run game, which we alluded to. Very I mean, much so. Maybe the, I don't know, top top three run blocking tight end in the NFL who I, I, I don't have the like rankings in front of me, but you know, George Kittle is always up there and Goddard's like the other guy who's this in terms player. of guys who like actually bring something as a receiver. Yeah. Top three. No question. Yeah. Like if you like go and go get like the Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis and yeah. Johnny Munts of the world, <laughs> then like he's probably not top three. But in terms of guys who like when they're on the field, you're like, Oh, they might actually throw to him. Like we got to cover this guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, uh, top three. I'd honestly, I'd probably say top one. Kittle hasn't been what Kittle used to be, uh, but definitely top three. We'll just leave it there. Yeah, there you go. All right. Question number three from loyal listener Dayniz asks, what concrete changes can Jonathan Gannon make to improve the early down run defense? I heard Seth Joyner say that slants and stunts could help make these DTs harder to block, that they're too easy to block right now. What do other defenses do 
other than have better suited players. And so uh, we'll get to our defensive film review here, but also another, you know, personnel change. Marlon Tui-Pelotu on injured reserve. So he is out for four weeks with a knee injury. The Eagles signed Linville Joseph, 34 years old, has not played a snap this year, was on the Chargers last year. You know, I was thinking back to my days on the beat covering the Eagles during the Chip Kelly days. And man, I remember many a conversation with Jason Kelsey when they're about to play the Giants or he's going on with, you know, like Linville Joseph was one of the guys that he hated going up against. Like that guy just gave him all sorts of problems. Joseph was a very good player uh, when he was a little younger. He has not played a snap of football this year. He's older. You're grasping at straws a little bit. It's week 11 and the guy's available for a reason. But uh, why don't you get to the first part there if you have any thoughts on sort yeah. of the you know technical, structural aspects of what you can do schematically uh, if you're Jonathan Gannon right now. And then we can talk a little bit more about the run defense, the personnel, and what we saw on film. Yeah, excellent question. Uh, and this is what we talk about a lot in the last few weeks, right? Where it's like, you, you'll hear me say stuff like run blitz, you'll hear me say stuff like game in the front. And that's what, like when Seth Joyner is talking about like doing those slants and those stunts, if... Uh, if I can't beat you head up as a defense, if I can't just line up my 11 guys, be better than your 11 guys, I have to do something to change the picture at the snap, right? Like you as an offensive line, you walk up to execute a running play. You all know the call, all right, running power. You guys get in your stance and you go, okay, they got a one tech here. They got a three tech there. They got the, that defensive end out wide. So we're going to block it up this way. Like everybody, they're not communicating. It's not saying this, but everybody knows the rules, right? Okay, if you know we have an open B gap, and this is the way we're going to climb, and this is the double team's going to work, go to the second level. And you see Kelsey, like if you watch Kelsey, Kelsey's the master of this uh, live in, in game reps where they'll get up to the line, and Kelsey will just like bump Sam Olive, bump Dickerson, be like, hey, we're going to do this. And then like he'll, he'll just like change the way they're going to block things up on the fly, and they always get into the right look against the pre snap defense, the pre snap defensive alignment. Well, the Eagles can't win 11 on 11 right now in, in the defensive front, right? No, no Jordan Davis. Fletcher Cox just not playing very well, as has been the case for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, uh, TJ Edwards, still to me, limited linebacker. Kaiser White, not a great run defending linebacker. Like their core in run defense is not good right now. They don't really change the picture post snap. They, they, they very rarely line up in one gap and then move to a different gap, right? You watch the Tennessee Titans fit the run from four down. You watch the Las Vegas Raiders under Patrick Graham, previously with the Giants, fit the run out of four down. You watch the 49ers fit the run out of four down. The Denver Broncos, the Giro Evero, fit the run out of four down. They're just constantly stunting, constantly changing gaps. They're going to change the picture. We're going to try to get one disruptor in here, get one kernel of sand in the finely meshed cog, the wheels of, of, of your system. And if we can just disrupt something, we're going to get a free backer, a free fitter. We're going to be able to make a tackle at the line, right? So that 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 idea of changing the picture of stunts and a, a twist and of adding a run blitzer, like all of that is super important. And, and, and the frustrating thing is it's typically been the Fangio tree's answer to early down run defense. It's typically been what they do. Gannon, not directly from that tree, walks out in his first year and it just like kind of lines up in place. The Eagles suffer for it. Here in year two, Fangio's consulting with the team. Uh, you know, uh, Gannon's stolen more Fangio coverages. Like we see a lot more Fangio influence on this defense. They're still not. They're not. They're not doing the games. They're not doing the stunts. It's a risk. It's high risk, high reward. But it's what you got to do when you just can't win with your personnel. And Linval Joseph may be a name that people recognize, but I'm here to say <laughs> it ain't what it was, man. Like is that Linval ain't solving your problems? It was just it, this. It, it made me laugh when I saw it because. That if, if, like, they should have had a guy like Linval in the building since week one, if their plan should Jordan Davis have gotten hurt, like, not been good. If, if their plan was just like, yeah, just Marlon Tui Pelotu, and we hope that works, like, then they should have had a Linval. Like, why have they not cared about backup nose until now when they're already in trouble? They're already taking on water. Is Marvin, uh, so the, did the Marvin Wilson was, get injured or, or something? I mean, I'm not tell, saying he was like an all pro, but I didn't think his, his performance with, was worthy of like, we're never going to see this guy again. But maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe there's something we It was know. better than Marlon, in my opinion. It wasn't good. And that's the thing is like, Marvin can't do this, Marlon can't do this. Javon doesn't play nose the way they need him to play nose. He's more of like a penetration guy, not like a two-gapper. So they bring in Linval, and like they're just going to ask Linval to be really big in the middle. And like he's not, he doesn't have the power he used to. It's, it's still not going to work, and that's the frustrating thing about it. All right, so that's a, that, that was a good answer. That's something to keep an eye on. Do they incorporate some of those things that 
been mentioned. So yeah, the run defense right now, they're 28th against the run in DVO, in, uh, in DVOA. They are not a good run defense. Uh, again, I'll hammer home the point. They were not a good run defense with Jordan Davis, but they were a better run defense than they are right now. Uh, getting to the film from Monday night, I'm curious if we're going to agree or disagree here, continuing our conversation from the post-game pod. So you look at it, Washington ran 49 times for 152 yards, 3.1 yards per carry. They had one run of 10-plus yards. So my takeaway from watching this, certainly what you said in the post-game pod about you set up third and short, you you know, you get, you pick up yards on first and second, you set up third and short, you convert. That absolutely was a factor. I mean, there were probably a handful of third downs that they set up that were really short just by picking up those gains on first and second down. Having said that, I watched this game and I thought the bigger issue, like I think most of the time when you play the run defense they played in that game, you're going to be okay. Because what it does, if you're Washington, you have such a small margin for error when you're going to play that way, when you're going to run it on first, when you're often going to run it on second down, you have to convert on third downs. And they weren't all short third downs. I mean, they were converting on third and medium, some third and longs. They were converting chunk plays. And so if you don't convert those, you're not even going to get 49 attempts to run the ball because you're coming off the field. I actually thought Tui Pelotu played much better than he did the previous week there. And so just looking at the things I was writing down, I mean, I thought the bigger defensive issues than the run defense where you give up 26 yards to Terry McLaurin on third and two, where Josiah Scott and Darius Slay are not on the same page. You give up 14 yards on second and 11, where Scott gets no depth. Slay gives up 14 yards on third and eight. You give up 23 yards on third and six, where there's a huge void behind Kaiser White. You give up 18 yards on third and five, where McLaurin cooks Chauncey Gardner-Johnson one-on-one in man coverage. You give up nine on third and 10, where Scott loses to Terry McLaurin. Bradbury gives up a 15-yard completion on the two-minute drill at the the end of the first half. Gardner Johnson gives up an 11-yard completion to Terry McLaurin in man coverage. And then finally, Darius Slay gives up a 41-yard completion to McLaurin down the right sideline, which that was a, a great play both by McLaurin and Heineke. But I thought watching this game, honestly, that they missed Avante Maddox more than they missed Jordan Davis. I mean, they had issues in the mm-hmm. passing game and Scott did, you know, Scott had a couple splash plays here and there, but I didn't think he played well overall. And so I agree if you're listening to this in thinking, well, there's a psychological effect when the opponent is running over and over against you. I I agree with that. I think that's true. And I wish sometimes Gannon would not be so patient and passive and kind of force the action. Like by the second or third drive, you know what Washington is trying to do? Like get after it and see what their their plan B is. And they didn't do that at all. And so I I think that is absolutely a fair criticism, whether you're loading the box and playing single high, whether you're using run blitzes, whether you're doing some of the stuff you mentioned with with the slanting uh, after the snap. They didn't do any of that. They were kind of just like, all right, let's chill. Let's see if you can do it again. Let's see if you can do it again. And then you look up and Washington was, what, 12 for their first 14 on third down and your offense has barely had the ball. So, uh, To be clear, I think the run defense is an issue. I think it could be a bigger issue in the weeks ahead. When I watched this game, I didn't watch the defense and say the run issue was the main issue. Not having Jordan Davis was the main issue. I came away looking at those third downs where the pass defense got cooked. And if you take away the the fumble and the interception and just look at the rest of the plays, like it was a bad performance in terms of pass defense where Taylor Heineke should not be cooking you the way he cooked you in that game. Yeah, and no, I think, right, when you say they missed Avante Maddox more than Jordan Davis, I agree with that. I definitely think that their corner depth, which is something we've talked about, just in, in a spot where when Josiah Scott's on the field, you're going to find opportunities to pick on Josiah Scott. I very much agree with that. I also think that, like, you just, like, we talked about this on the postgame show, you just didn't get your best Darius Slay game in coverage, right? Like, it was just, they, they had bad miscommunications in terms of, like, how they wanted to layer their coverages. Like, they were just getting stretched so, so, so easily. Like, the deep guys taking everybody deep. The shallow guys staying super shallow, and there's just wide open space intermediate. So Heineke's getting rid of the ball really fast, but not throwing short. He's throwing intermediate. So you're going to be ripping off these chunk gains. And that, as you say, makes this incremental inching, you know, run on first down, run on second down, run on third down approach easier. Where when you pass, if you get 15, 18, 20 instead of 5, 8, 10, well, that's one less first down you have to go pick up in this kind of, you know, slow moving approach. So I think that's a very, very good point. The other thing that definitely to me, 
stood out was right. Like I, I coming out of that game live, I was like, man, like the run defense was poor. Watching the game back, I was like, all right, the run defense is better than I remember it as being. And I think that's why, like you say, the Gannon kind of just sits on it and it's like, yeah, like this will work. Like you just gotta let it work and it'll work. And like I understand why he thought that. But yeah. after the sixth drive, you <laughs> have to start throwing. And, like, he tries. Like, there was a first down where, like, they sent a run blitz. And, like, the, and the frustrating thing is they were blitzing on third down more than I, I recall it as well. And it's like, all right, if you're willing to blitz on third down, like, do it on first down. You can, you can, you can blitz and fit the run at the same time. It's not clean, but it's doable. Gannon's got kind of like a – like, there are some defensive coordinators who are like, I invite chaos, and if, that burn, if I get burned, I get burned, whatever. But, like, I'm going to go make a play. Gannon's got this pristineness to him where he's like, opposite, if it isn't, yeah. if it isn't fundamentally sound against every route distribution, every idea, run pass, then I can't run it. Okay, uh, that's a that's a small menu, man. That's a, and if and if nothing's working, you it feels like you have to instigate. It feels like you have to go create something, right? The problem is they've had so many takeaways this year, fumbles and interceptions. That like that like typically a defensive coordinator would say, like, "Oh, you go generate a pressure. You know, we're going to go get a blitz and we're going to rotate coverage. We're going to drop a guy to generate a takeaway." The Eagles defense has a ton of takeaways. So what they're doing is working. Like I I understand why he's like, "Yeah, just stay the steady course. You no, know, don't get too high, don't get too low." Me Evans too. Flows. Yeah, I get it. It's just watching it in a vacuum of this game you're like dude do something man like it's like it's the meme with the stick you're like are you can you do something here like why are we just sitting here taking this from washington but they sat there and they took it yeah i was thinking the same thing as i reviewed it like the, uh, i you know we we've both been uh, i think pretty critical of gannon since the per- first podcast that we did i was watching this game kind of going all right i kind of understand why he's doing that. You know, they were early downs. Washington averaged 3.3 yards per carry. So in Gannon's mind, he's just like, this isn't going to continue. This isn't going to continue. Another third down. Oh, this next one we're going to get. Um, and then all of a sudden you look up and your offense hasn't had the ball. And, and Dane is who asked the original question has made this point for two years. And it's a good one. I don't think Gannon adjusts to the kind of game that it is. I think he goes in with a game plan. And, and in this game specifically, you're 10 and a half point favorites. And so if you look at variance, I mean, you want to create as many possessions specifically for your offense as possible because the larger sample, you know, the truth is theoretically going to come out. And so Washington obviously did not want to do that. It's it's always the argument when you're playing a team like the Chiefs, like limit the possessions that they have. And so when you play this way and it's not working, now you're really limiting the possessions of the offense and you're not adjusting. And just that passive nature, we've talked about it on like defensive football to me. I understand like the, the big picture aspect of it. All right, limit explosive plays, but there's got to be some type of aggression at some point where it's like, we're going to force something to happen. This is Taylor freaking Heineke. We had nine sacks against this offense the first time around. Like we can try some different things here. It's not playing scared. Granted, McLaurin was having a big day and, and I'm sure that probably played into it uh, a little bit as well where they weren't having success trying to cover him. But that's what I, what I wish Gannon would do more is adjust more, not be so passive, uh, Make the offense go to a plan B. Give your offense more possessions, even if it means, hey, we're, this is a little riskier. Let's try it. And he didn't do that uh, in this game. So we'll see. It was one game. You know, we could have been harsher. We could have come out and uh, totally crushed him. We, we, we didn't do that. We'll see what happens here in the next game against the Colts. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back with question number four. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, we are back. Question number four comes from Sam, who asks, who is the most valuable defensive lineman on the Philadelphia Eagles, and how large is the gap to second place? I can take this one first. Uh, I think Hargrave is far and away playing the best of any Eagles defensive lineman right now. You know, I thought their pass rush was kind of disappointing in this game. Sweat had the big play early. And after that, uh, I really did not see a lot. And so, especially now with the depth issues with no Jordan Davis, with no Tui Pelotu, like defensive tackle becomes a spot where shoot, if you lost Hargrave, if you think it's bad now, I mean, it's going to get really, really bad. I thought Fletcher Cox got, like you mentioned, he got moved at times in this game. I mean, if you, if you look at the film, there are some uh, double teams or maybe not always double teams where he's getting moved uh, in a way that you're really not used to. I don't know if I should say not used to saying, because it's happened, you know, on and off. He hasn't been the same player, but I thought that stood out in this game. And then the other guy who we probably got to talk about you know, Robert Quinn, I remember we came on after the trade and I was like, hey, you know, I just watched that film of that uh, Patriots game and it wasn't pretty. He has like a couple wins here and there. It doesn't look good. And we kind of thought, all right, you know, he's in a bad situation. He doesn't want to be there. He's going to have more help. He won't be double teamed as much. Uh, he has not looked good. Now, it's only been 40 to 50 snaps, but you really would hope that you get something more uh, out of him. I don't know if it's adjusting or injury related or, uh, or what, but he really hasn't given you anything so far. I don't think Quinn looks bad. You think Quinn looks like bad? really? Yeah. I think he looks pretty bad. Like I would look at it and be like, yeah, I'm kind of in like yikes territory on, you know, with, with Quinn, he made a couple of play, he made one play uh, against the run that I remember, but he, it might be that when he has bad reps, they're like really, they're really bad. Like he's not even yeah. close. He might end up on the ground or he, you know, it's like, what is going on here? Which I'm not used to seeing from guys like Sweat and uh, and Brandon Graham on this team. So I'll give him some more time. I don't know. You you don't think he looks that, you think he looks okay? No, I think that that is a, that characterization is absolutely correct, right? Okay. Sweat is, or excuse me, not Sweat. Quinn is a win right off the ball right now player, right? He's a first step player. So if he beats you, he beats you. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Now, if his first step were consistently worse, like if I felt like he had no explosiveness, then like, yeah, that drop off is going to be steep, right? He's going to go from being a high impact, high pressure player to not. The problem is he's been like above 18% pressure rate over the last six years consecutively. Like NGS put out the stats when he got traded, right? Like his pressure rate just remained constant. His explosiveness off the line has just remained constant. Like he, he, there's nothing in the data or in my opinion, the film to suggest that the, the twitch is gone. It's just, he gets 12 reps a game. Yeah, and that's like true. Eight of them are on clear passing downs. And it's just like, yeah, like it's just going to, it's going to take, it's going to take a moment. I don't think the pass rush was, was poor at all. Uh, I think that. Heineke's getting rid of the ball with a great time to throw, right? He did not spend a lot of time in the pocket, hanging around, you know, waiting around, getting time. He's good scrambling. If anything, this was a good game to show the difference between playing Carson Wentz versus playing Taylor Heineke. Wentz sits in there and and just yeah. lets you come, right? He lets you finish the rush. Heineke's, I've always liked Heineke. Heineke is like a Gardner Minshew plus to me, right? Where I think like, I, I, I think if you had an open camp competition, when Wentz arrived, like, you know, Heineke himself made the comment about the price tags. If you had an open camp competition, I think it would have beaten him straight out. I think what you've seen from Washington is Heineke's just a better player. The best thing that Heineke does is Heineke is a, is a jackrabbit in the pocket. He is a hard guy to pin down. If you just look at, at Heineke's uh, performance over the last couple of years in terms of sack rate versus scramble rate and how he escapes pressure, he's not an easy guy. To, he's not an easy guy to sack, right? Like Sweat has that immediate win off Charles Leno and gets the strip, and nobody else wins that quickly, Heineke's out of the pocket. Heineke's gone, especially with the coverage issues where his first read is like very consistently open. Yeah, yeah that's and that's true. the other thing. Is, is he, just, he just tests man coverage, right? Like that's The best thing your backup can do is if he sees a one-on-one, just take it. Don't try to get anything better than that. Curtis Samuel versus Josiah Scott, ball's out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to neutralize that pass rush a little bit. So I, I, I certainly like what I've loved to have seen, like, you know, Hargrave really dominate Andrew Norwell, who's been like having not a great season. Yeah, and he didn't. But I, I didn't walk away being like, wow, the pass rush had opportunities here. The quarterback's in the pocket for three seconds. They should have gone home, and they didn't. I, I didn't feel 
too strongly about that. To the point of the question, yeah, it's Hargrave. Just because of where they're at with defensive tackle depth and performance right now, Fletch not a good player right now. I sucks. He's a great guy, or like like he's been a great eagle for a long time. Yeah, you know, enjoyed watching him play at his height. He was second best defensive tackle in the league. Not a good player right now. And I know you were for toots that they brought him back at the price tag they did. I was a little more okay with it, but it's not good. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. He's. I mean, he, he was just. I just saw the clip. He was how he played seventy snaps. He said uh, he feels like uh, he doesn't feel good right now after playing 70 snaps and he, it's only gonna uh, they're gonna have to play a lot of snaps although hopefully the uh, the opposing offense is not running 51 plays in the first half which is never a good yeah. thing all right question number five jv says love the pot see i told you compliment and look jv got in the question he's on the pot can you guys touch on the regression the offensive play calling took on monday night and if we should be concerned lack of rpos Literal slants called on third down on the opening drive of the third <laughs> quarter, uh, et cetera. And so oh, this would be a good time. You, that was a good. How did you? I didn't hear your sneeze at all. Like I saw you. Yeah, move. I muted. I what did you? Oh, oh, man, you, I tried to. That was yeah, a good job. I know you don't like it when I mute when I'm sneeze. You think that should be on the podcast for yeah. some reason. I thought Authentic. I sent it out, but apparently you Authenticity. Me. No, I'm going to call you. I had your corner of my eye. I was reading the question with my left eye and right eye. I just saw your motion of sneezing, but didn't hear the sneeze. Uh, this is a good time to talk about the offensive film or if we have any different opinions than we had on Monday night. So what do you think of the question about, he, he called it regression of offensive play calling. I don't know if that's fair uh, or not. Yeah. And what you saw on offense on Monday night. Don't think they regressed. I think if they could get it back, they'd open a few more drives with, with neutral script runs. I think that you look back and you just see some like first and 10 passes, some second and seven passes, some second and 10 passes where you're just like, man, like, why don't we just get to third and five? Like, why don't we just keep it simple? You know what I'm saying? I think that they probably got hooked a little bit on the offense they ran against Washington the first time around, where it was just like, hey, anytime we want a 45-yard throw, we have it. It's a good feeling. You know, yeah, they, they, they thought they'd get that again. Washington came out defensively and was different than what they had given them in the first game. There was far less man coverage, far more zone coverage, far more blanket intermediate to deep, daring Jalen Hurts to check the football down, right? And Jalen doesn't do that too much. You know, Jalen would much rather throw intermediate to deep and then tuck and run in the event that that, uh, that he doesn't have anything open. And it was a tough game for Hurts to scramble. They did a really nice job with their ru- in terms of managing their rush lanes and taking away the Hurts escape routes. Hurts doesn't often leave the pocket like out the back door, right? Like you watch like a Justin Fields, uh, a Lamar Jackson, they'll hang around in that pocket and then they'll leave out the back door. Hurts likes to step up and go through. Right. And when you face a team like with John Allen and Deron Payne, Washington very clearly was like, hey, get a yard of depth and then just chill. Just because he's going to he's going to he's going to come up to you. Just if we if you if we come too far up field, there was a great clip of Kelsey when they didn't mic'd up. Oh, man, they were playing a blue team. When were they playing a blue team? There's some blue team in week five. I can't remember who. Uh, but there was a great clip of Kelsey uh, mic'd up where you're watching him. He's blocking a blue team like up. blue uniforms. I feel like that. I, I Why like does that stick in your but, head? That's a weird way to describe I, it. At first, I, I, like, I, I took a while to respond there because I was like, what is he talking about? A blue team, like a sad team? Like, is this a football Who term I don't know about where they play in the Cowboys? Is that it? Is that it? Uh, yeah, I think it was the Cowboys. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was like week five, week six. Yeah, I I, I'm like, Lions are week one, Colts are next week. I couldn't remember who it was. Blue team. But anyway, I'm, I'm very bad with names and like the names of things. I'll never, like if I meet somebody new, I'll never remember what their name is. I'll oh, remember the first letter. Thing. I'll remember the first letter and roughly how long it is. And then I guess from there. I'll be like Melissa, and they'll be like Mariella. I'll be like, all right, my bad. You know anyway. where that you know where that really hurts. Once it, you know, if you become a parent in the future, you you meet the the parents of kids, and just like five seconds later, I'm gonna ask my wait, what what was what was her name? What yeah. what's his name? And usually she has a handle on that. But yeah, I need there's there are methods, right? You shake the hand, you say the name, you say the name again, right? Aren't there these meth- methods that are supposed to help? There are methods. I, I don't I'm aware of them. Of them. I'm not thinking of them when I meet somebody. I'm me thinking neither. about like, oh, what's up? Yeah. How you doing? And How you I doing? Forget. That's me too. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Clip of Kelsey, where like he'll be pass blocking. He'll get penetration, right? Like he'll be like blocking a guy, he'll like move to the side, and then Kelsey will yell like, "Go, go, go!" And I don't know why he's doing that, but one of my theories is that he's basically telling Jalen, like, "Hey, like, if you want it, you got it. Like the the, oh. the gap's open, right? Just like go ahead and go." Um, regardless, 
this this Washington front did a really nice job keeping him in the pocket and then blanketing intermediate to deep. So if this were a, if if the Eagles had more of a like you know pass to Miles Sanders, there was like a Kenny Gainwell third down that he ended up throwing to AJ Brown, where like Kenny Gainwell was very clearly open, just like toss it to the back, go get four yards and whatever. But he gets a little bit of AJ Brown fixation and AJ slips out of the break and you got to punt the football. Like this is a game where, where I think a, a more mature pocket passer who just been had forced to, to throw more checkdowns in his life would have just hammered the backs all the way up and down the field. So I think it, it's the worst game Jalen's played as a passer in a bit. It wasn't terrible. It definitely oh, was one of, the, one of the worst games he's, he's played as a passer. I think offensive regression wise, like there was some of that there was just some bad luck stuff, right? A.J. Brown, Derek Forrest interception stands out. And then I think play calling-wise, your biggest note is you probably should have been a little bit more run-heavy, uh, especially once time of possession started to get really slanted. It would have been nice to, you know, just get a first down, you know, like get a, have a nine and out instead of a three and out and just give your defense a little bit of a breather. I think that those are my main notes. Other than that, I didn't feel like they, were, they walked out with anything different than what they usually run, and it has been successful for them this year. Yeah, I, I watched the offensive performance and just thought, all right, the turnovers caught up with them, but it's not like Washington provided some kind of blueprint or anything where the offense couldn't move the ball. I mean, they scored touchdowns on three of their first six drives. The Goddard fumble, that's a disastrous play. The Quez Watkins fumble. Uh, Benjamin St. Juiced, I'll, I'll give him credit on that play. You know, he gets cooked by Quez Watkins. And if what, what is so funny? What are you looking at? Share your notes with I the class. I got a slack. You want you want a little uh, peek behind the curtain? Yeah, I would love one. We're doing a Tua video this week for the play sheet. Big, <laughs> huge Tua expose. Like, why is this offense working? How much is him? Is he good? Is he not good? Whatever. Uh, and <laughs> you know the Tua non guy, the guy who wears the Dolphins mask. Yeah, of course, Tua. Yeah, we. Uh, he's got a cameo that we found, <laughs> and so the the production team was just like, hey. We're with the ringer. We're doing a video about Tua. Do you want to like just comment on how good Tua is? He sent three minutes worth of content. Oh my god! And apparently, like identified me by name. And now after this, I go to record that, and I have not seen it, and I'm very excited to see it for the first time. So I got a Slack message, and there was no way of avoiding it. And that's there that's you go. The play like. sheet on a Ringer YouTube ringer channel. YouTube baby, you, you, you Tua can. Uh, you can see that. Uh, St. Juice got cooked by Quez Watkins and then um, amazing hustle. I mean, he doesn't give up on the play. He recognizes right away that Watkins is down, got back up, wasn't mm-hmm. touched, and punches the ball out. I-, I thought that was an impressive play by him. Man, the little things in these games. If Quez Watkins stays yeah. on his feet, that's a touchdown. Like, there's there's nobody there. The safety's in front, um, and he, he couldn't stay on his feet there and got back up, and it ends up being a huge play. Uh the last second and eight, we talked about 254 left. You need a touchdown. 13 personnel with Quez Watkins. I mean, Washington stays a nickel there. You need to go 78 yards. I just don't overthink it. Let's see. Let's see what they do without Goddard. Don't overthink it. Yeah. If those guys need to blow at some point, that's fine. But this is second and eight, and this is the time you need a score. Uh, don't be giving me 13 personnel where everyone knows you're passing it. Landon Dickerson gets smoked on the play. Um, and then third down is a good example of what you were describing there, where Hertz thought he had that opening, um, and, and Montez Sweat yep. is kind of right there and sacks him. So that was a bad possession. They had another possession where Gainwell has a drop, and then A.J. Brown slips lips on the left side. I mean, I didn't look at the, I actually didn't. Now I would have to think about all of Jalen Hurts' performances. I didn't watch this and think it was a, you know, definitely the worst performance he's had in yeah, a while. I thought that's, it was in the same that's neighborhood. That's very much it. Yeah. To me, it was like, it was his worst one in a while, but also it's more saying that the other ones have been really good. Good right? enough this, to you win. don't watch yeah. it for like, oh, like bad, stinky quarterback play. You're just like, ah, like, you know, tough job there. Like bad read there. Like it just looked like, okay, like, Second year quarterback is like, as we talked about on last week's show, maybe not a top 10 passer, but like, you know, on the fringe and whatever. It just was a reminder like, oh, shoot, he's really been playing very well because this 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 game just had some mistakes that he had been doing a great job of erasing over the last month or so. Um, that second and eight play, by the way, I said this on the post game show. I'm now pretty confident. I think uh, it was very clearly supposed to be screen and Sanders didn't know what was going on. And Landon thought it was screen released the guy and then thought maybe it wasn't and then came back and he was discombobulated like they they brought in a different personnel grouping eating 30 seconds off the clock to do so and got the play call in wrong with less than three minutes left to go in a one score game and we were talking in terms of bad execution bad coaching like that's the worst 
sequence the Eagles have had all season, right? Just in terms of like to waste that time to choose to get those players in to then mess up the play call is just like, buddy, call a dig. (laughs) Just (laughs) call mesh. (laughs) Like, let's just move the ball. Yeah, it it was sloppy. Even uh, I was just listening to Jason Kelsey, and he was like that, you know, basically saying that was one of their sloppiest performances of the year, and it certainly uh, felt that way. But I didn't see anything long term. Now, listen, the, we mentioned the Goddard injury is the biggest thing. If Goddard was back this week, I would say they're hanging, you know, thirty five on the Colts, and I feel pretty good about it. But it is going to look different without Goddard. All right, question number six. Big Mike McD asks, "Let's re-rack this with Big. injuries." Over half the season in the books and the possible quote-unquote blueprint to beat us laid out, final record and playoff predictions from both of you. First of all, uh, I think this blueprint talk is kind of, you know, come on. It, you know, it took three mm-hmm. turnovers on all, like there were a lot of things that needed the Eagles needed to screw up themselves to lose that game, not to mention the two, what, 55-yard field goal. So, yeah, our team's going to try to run the ball, yes, and they might run the ball uh, really effectively now given your personnel. But, uh, again, even with that, when I watched the film, I thought, all right, if they don't convert all these third downs and have all these chunk plays in the passing game, then those run stats aren't going to matter. So I think teams will try to run the ball. I think they'll try to limit the Eagles' offensive possessions because the Eagles have a very good offense. But I'm skeptical of any type of blueprint taken away from that game but to the question final record playoff predictions over under now down a win after the loss to 13 and a half if you're wondering the vikings are at 12 and a half dallas is at 11 and a half and the 49ers are at 10 and a half benjamin solak as we go into week 11 what do you have as their Final record, and listen, Mike McDee's asking for playoff prediction as well, which we had to go on the record with for the ringer last week. Yeah, I think they go 14-3 and three still. I think that 14 is, is the right number. Like, they lost to Washington. I very much agree it's not a blueprint game. The The, the blueprint for beating the Eagles offense has been, like, you know, having this this blitz approach and like forcing Hurts outside of the pocket to his left. And, like, that's what the Cardinals did, held him to 20 points. To me, that's a lot more tenable than this which is like make sure you get an interception and a fumble recovery both inside the red zone like it's just yeah. that i think like teams that are really good in t- defensive interiors are going to say like oh like let's look at these rush plans let's see if we can bait hurts kind of just step up in a pressure the way that, that washington did but to me there's there's much more blueprint stuff that's already existed as opposed to what you saw in this game with that said yeah so like give me give me 14 wins i kind of always thought that they were going to drop one or two just really really hard to go undefeated as you brought up like it's just a little stuff and that's why winning in the nfl is really hard it's because you got to do everything correct and then get lucky every single week you can't do everything correct every single week and win you have to do everything correct and then get lucky every single week it's hard to do so uh, i i 14 and 3 to me still makes sense i think they beat indy i think they beat green bay i think they're able to beat the giants I'm curious to see how those two games go i think they beat chicago i think they beat dallas with the division on the line i think they beat the saints because of the 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 uh, the pick and everything. Fourth like overall pick. We'll get to yeah. that in a minute. Tennessee. I'm very interested to see how the Tennessee game goes, pending who is healthy and who isn't. Um, but yeah, the, their schedule remains soft. So 14 wins to me. I picked them to win the East. I think they get the first round by. And then I think that they lose to somebody in the playoffs. And that's because I think they're a young team that is going to, you know, it is still learning what they're going to do in these really hard fought, tough games. So they're down from behind. So I still see them as like a playoff exit, but. I see them as an extremely good regular season team and arrow up. You had the Niners, I think, right? Getting to the Super Bowl from the NFC? Yes. Who do you have? Okay. Uh, I, I had the Eagles. I had the Eagles in the NFC. Uh, and then, a believer. Well, I had them losing in the Super Bowl uh, to the Bills because I, I couldn't do that to our listeners to pick them to win the Super Bowl, uh, and then they don't win, and then the Kapadia curse comes out. So I thought if I split the difference, uh, I think they have a. I think they got a great shot to get there. Especially you get the one seed. Now you're at home. You have to win two games. I think the 49ers and Cowboys are absolutely worthy options if anybody picked them to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, I thought those would be fine choices. I'm gonna put them at 13 and four. And I think that's still going to be good enough to get the one seed. I think they lose one out of Packers and Titans. I think they lose one out of two Giants and a Bear. I think they lose one of those games, so that's two. <laughs> and then, I don't know I, I don't know about that Cowboys game at, at Dallas on Christmas Eve. I might have that down uh, as a loss 
13 and 4, but the Cowboys lost this last week, so you have some space there where that one might not be for the division. We'll see. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. 13 and 4, I think, could still uh, win you the top seed and the bye in the NFC. All right. Yeah. Question number seven. Brendan says, if Ben, and he clarified Ben because he said, Sheil, you probably don't have a take on prospects yet, which is true. So, And I also saw, you know, I wasn't going to include this question, but then I saw Brendan is like a golf pro or something. I thought, listen, there could be some, again, I picked the questions based on how it could impact me. Personal how it could help game, me baby. In the future, you know, maybe some lessons, some tips, some new clubs, maybe go play somewhere fun. Listen, Brendan, I'm, I'm available for all those things. But anyway. He said if Ben had his pick for that Saints pick, that's top five right now. Number four, I think, right? If the, if the season ended today, it'd be the fourth I think it's overall four, yes. pick. Who would he take and why? So who's off the board? I don't know. who. I guess who are your top four? Right. Well, let's let's assume Bryce Young. I can name the two quarterbacks at least. Let's assume Young and Stroud are both off the board uh, in the top three picks. I don't do you. I, I would think that's likely. Do you? Would you disagree with that? No, I think that happens. My my, okay. who's off the board was more pejorative than it. I was like, oh, like performative, I should say. Like, oh, who's off the board? No, it's it's okay. it's going to be two quarterbacks early: Houston, okay. Vegas, Carolina, right now. Eagles at four, and then you have two elite defenders: Jalen Carter, defensive tackle out of Georgia; Will Anderson, edge out of Alabama. If you know me, you know when I say the word elite, I mean elite. I don't mean good. I mean elite. <laughs> Jalen Carter better than Jordan Davis was. Will Anderson's best edge to come out in the last couple years, right? Will Anderson would have gone first above any of the edges last year no question and the edges went one two and five Re- two really really good defensive line players eagles could take either i mean carter is preferable given the fact that they're going to move on from fletch hargrave is a free agent they don't really have a penetration player right now uh on the de- at the defensive tackle depth chart right if jordan davis is kind of your primary guy moving forward Speaking of which, Milton Williams played pretty well against Washington. Yes, I'm, he's I'm, coming on a little I'm, bit. I think he's healthier. I'm, I'm increasingly getting in on Milton, and it's not yes. because he has Timmy Jernigan's old jersey number, though it's a little bit because he has Timmy Jernigan's <laughs> old jersey number. Uh, with that said, Carter, I think, is preferable. Anderson still works. You're just at the point where now you've got a lot of money tied up into three edge rushers, right? You have top five pick money in Will Anderson, extension on Joshua, extension on Hassan Reddick. So I think that you're 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 good in that regard. It's not, it's not ideal, but it's, it's okay. Carter is the dream. The other position to look out for is corner, just because uh, Darius Slay and James Radbury both getting a little bit old. Radbury, all, obviously, uh, on an extension. Um, I, have, I can't sit here and tell you that I've gotten uh, intimately familiar with the cornerback class just yet. I can tell you that I watch Keely Ringo, the kid out of Georgia play, at yeah. six foot two, 205, and I say, yes, sir. And I ain't got a problem with you bring him home anytime you like. Uh, and so they, uh, I'll be interested to see how much the corn, like, you know, we typically don't see corners go top five. Last year we saw two go top five. There's kind of a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, a, a changing uh, horizon there. And so I'll be curious to see that. But right now the dream is Jordan Davis last year, Jalen Carter this year. Just get that Georgia front from the championship team. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Says trade back written uh, written all over it to to me. Nah, come uh, on, live a little, Shield. Live a little. A, I, mean, I have no problem making the pick, but who would it be? Like a Will Levis could be the. Uh, is he going to go that high? Do you think a team would trade up uh, mm-hmm. trade up for him there? I, I don't know. I guess it depends how the rest of the season. Well, if the this is goes. if this is honesty hour right now, we said Stroud and Young are the first two quarterbacks off the board. I'd bet good money right now Levis is actually one of those two. Really? Uh, yeah. Is he nearly as good of a player? No. Is he nearly as good of a prospect? No. Is he a charming, tall, white man with a strong <laughs> arm? Yeah. Is he charming? Sprouts. I know he's a tall, white man. I didn't know if he was if Yeah, he, he, like, he like puts mayonnaise <laughs> in his coffee and, like, you know, he just, like, kind of messes around. He, like, eats the banana peels and stuff. I mean, like, uh, Todd McShay... <laughs> Todd, you know, Todd McShay does the sideline reporting thing for the yeah. college games. Uh, Kentucky, Ole Miss, I want to say it was a few weeks ago. Todd McShay goes for like the pre-opening kickoff sideline conversation. And he just takes the mic and it's just like, hey, the NFL would all fight to the death for the opportunity to draft Will Levis. <laughs> NFL general managers are trying to marry their granddaughters to Will Levis. Like, just like, like the most effusive 
you've ever like the character, the leadership. He like completed fifty percent of his passes and had two picks in this game. <laughs> Just all the everything you've ever wanted. The, he has the, the the mystique is around him, right? He has the allure. He's got the you know the the Jake Lockerism to him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes top three, and if he goes before Stroud, who's going to have like hey, you played on easy mode at Ohio State and never got sacked once concerns. And then Bryce Young, who like, we're calling Bryce Young six folks. We love Bryce Young and we want him to be happy. I don't know if Bryce Young's actually six foot and he's thin too. So there's gonna be size concerns with him. Uh, as longtime listeners know, I've planted my flag on uh, on Bryce Young. I'm 100% in. Good ball player, man. On on Bryce Young, fun, good. I I you know he could measure in at five foot four. Uh, I don't care, but uh, the, I never understood the marry your you know marry your daughter grant. That's like it's such a weird thing to say. Like I don't walk around looking at now my kids are younger my daughters but that would be weird to me even when they're all oh, this guy i would want him to marry my daughter i don't know dad's actually mom or dad's actually think like that i don't know maybe when you it's get older you do the worst thing in the world so weird but it's so it's, weird it's, yep well listen that can oh. work in the eagles favor come and get uh <laughs> if he lasts still their pick come and get will levis move down maybe you still get an elite defensive player there you pick up extra uh draft capital potentially for a jalen hurts extension that extra draft capital can be useful so uh, i think they will certainly explore that all right question number eight ray ann this is another one for you and i, I actually wanted uh, your take on this too can ben advise me on which cheese to grab from trader joe's for thanksgiving mac and cheese so i was thinking i'm not a good cook there's pretty much nothing I can make. I feel like if someone gave me a mac and cheese recipe, now I'm very specific. I'm with uh, Rayanne. I, I think you need to have the right cheese. I need some flavor to the cheese. And I also need the crumbles on top, the crisp top layer. I need that. If anyone has a mac and cheese uh, recipe like that, maybe I try it out this Thanksgiving. Surprise the, oh, yeah? surprise the Capadia family and uh, actually contribute mm. for once and make a little uh, make a little mac and cheese. But do you have a, a take on a cheese from Trader Joe's that would be good for a Thanksgiving mac and cheese? Yeah, so firstly, Sol, uh, Meredith Solax got a good one. Meredith's got a family recipe that's real good. Oh, it's got the, the, the panko on top. It's good. I made smoked mac and cheese this Thanksgiving. I, I We do Friendsgiving every year, and I did wow. it in a smoker. I don't know if y'all got a smoker, but... Friend, the mac and cheese in the smoker slaps. That, that stuff's ridiculous. Um, so first, y'all get your recipe. Secondly, uh, if you're doing just like, well, that's the thing. It's like Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's got very good cheeses just to eat. If you're doing a mac and cheese, you just shouldn't be like breaking the bank on fancy cheese and just shred that John up and put it in the mac. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So like, you do like the cheddar and Gruyere is good. The unexpected cheddar is good. Like those like the typical like Trader Joe's cheeses that I think would be reasonable. When I did mine, I I had just like regular. I had regular aged Parmesan, smoked Gouda, and cheddar. And then you shred that up and you throw that in there. Like, you don't need any, like, fancy name brand stuff. You just kind of, you know, it's just about, mac and cheese is just about volume, right? Just about you get as much cheese in there as you can, you're going to be all right. What a moment. I mean, maybe your finest moment on the Philly Special Pod. Maybe your finest yeah? at the Ringer. I mean, the way you answered that was such confidence. Like, there was no doubt in my mind this guy knows what he's talking about with it with this question i know social might need to post I that spend my time on yeah i mean like you know it goes one football two cheese i was yeah. doing the two a script today i <laughs> ate like a whole hunk of leftover parmesan from that mac and cheese i might need to get out there on social on the ringers youtube channels cliff we might have to uh work on that that was a fine moment for benjamin so like all right question number nine before we get to eagles colts predictions uh, Dave Mulhern asks, was the long underwear question coincidence, parallel thinking with Zberm and Bo Wolf? Uh, I felt crazy when long underwear came up on both post-game pods. Uh, no, there was no pre-planning. I feel like that's just, uh, you know, Birch with friends had the long underwear conversation. I was interested that Zach Berman wore the long underwear to cover an Eagles game. I mean, when I think of long underwear, I think of a scenario where I'm going to be outside for an extended period of time in cold weather, not in a press box, but it sounds like ZB and uh, Papa Solak would be on the same page. Did, did, did Solaks have any feedback on the long underwear discussion we had? No, my dad did call me yesterday because he was driving to Virginia and I couldn't take it because I was on deadline. Um, and I'm calling him later today. So I'll see if he listens okay. to the pod and mm -hmm. if he has long underwear opinions. What was Zach Berm's, uh, what was his thought? 
he he wore the long underwear like at to cover the Monday Night Eagles game because he said he was on the field like doing something before the game, but still most of the game, oh, you know, three hours during right. the game, you're uh, in the press box there. And I was also wondering what kind of pant he was wearing because I think long underwear, like you don't wear that with like a suit pant or like a slack, right? You got to be wearing jeans. I mean, he could have been wearing jeans. I think you can wear it with jeans, but more Why more casual pants. Pant? I don't. I don't. Can understand. you? I don't know. I just never even the thought that. The whole point is the whole point is to be able to keep your legs warm. That's without true. A suit pant like is light. Pants. Yeah, that's true. Right? Okay, yeah. maybe you can. I'm a rookie I, what here I in this space. How, how how cold was it for the game? It was like thirties. Yeah, it wasn't that cold. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, long underwear in thirties. Come on, Berman, live a little. Well, but listen, like you said with Papa Solak, he's not afraid to just break it out regardless. And I'm old and I'm getting to, uh, right, you know what well, my, you know, what my wife has is this rock. Have you, have you had these rock? It's like a heating rock that you kind of just hug or you can put like anywhere, like on your mid. Are you talking about a stone right now? Yeah. A stone. Sorry. A stone, right? Is it a stone <laughs> or a rock? I don't know. You know I what I'm talking about or rock, not? No, I thought at first rock stood for something. You're no. saying like she's got a rock. Not she's from like outside. Rock. Like you order it, you plug it in and they call it a rock. And then she's you got just, an electric rock. Yeah. And then you just hug it. Right. I, I was, we were watching White Lotus yesterday. I was just hugging this bad boy. It felt very toasty. She's said she's been trying to sell me on it for years. And I always say no. But yesterday I wasn't giving that bad boy back. So listen, you got some heating. All right. You, you got to go do a video. Let's get to the uh, predictions or Eagles. Quotes. I don't know. I'm, I'm delaying <laughs> my video to learn more about this rock. Okay. And, and, the, yeah. and the way that this rock is is is. is we'll is, trade a mac and cheese recipe for a rock yeah. after the All right. after the Sounds show. Good. All right. Line is down to six and a half. Uh, we don't, you know, AJ Brown said today he's fine. It was just an ankle thing. I think that's something to keep an eye on specifically how he looks, uh, in this game early on, whether that's hampering him or not. Colts are 32nd in DVOA, 32nd on offense, 11th on defense. So, uh, the defense has been playing pretty well. There's not a lot of creativity or mystery to the defense under Gus Bradley, but they've been playing pretty well, but they won't have Shaq Leonard, uh, who is out for the season with season ending uh, back surgery, who is their best defensive player. So they got Jeff Saturday last week. They got the Jeff Saturday bump. They got Matt Ryan back as their starter. They won 25-20 as we discussed on extra point taken. They played the worst defense in the NFL in the Las Vegas Raiders. I think we know how the Colts are going to try to play. They're going to try to run the ball, obviously, and they're going to try to get the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands quickly. I, I think they're not going to want the Eagles' pass rush to just ruin and wreck this game. But if you look at it, Eagles should have a huge advantage with their pass rush against this offensive line. And they should be able to play man coverage. And I'm curious what you think about this. I mean, I feel like you can man up Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, and Alec Pierce. I don't want to see a game where you're playing zone and Matt Ryan's getting rid of the ball, the balls out of his hands. And afterwards you had one sack and the D linemen are saying, well, he got rid of the ball quickly. And that's why it was close. Like, no, just play man, force him to make tight, tight throws, tight coverage, hold on to the football. Um, and I think you can have a lot of success here. So I was thinking about going really big here. I mean, I, I think there's a chance that they just completely blow this team out. Again, I've been bad picking these games against the spread. Keep that in mind. The Goddard injury gave me a little bit pause to go really big. I still see a double-digit win. I think this is a bad team that got a bump from a first-year head coach last week and was playing a bad opponent. I still think the Eagles are a very good team. I think the Eagles have answers offensively most weeks. And defensively, I think the matchups work in their favor. So I've got Eagles 24, Colts 14, a 10-point comfortable win where they cover the spread. Benjamin Solak, what do you got? Yes, I also have that feeling that they're going to walk out and just delete the Colts. I think that's very, very possible. I wonder, I'm extremely interested in like the Sirianni emotion level of this mm, game. I like because that. Because I really think... I really think the Colts did did Frank Reich in a bad way. And I mean, from what I know about Sirianni, like he's that's going to matter to him. Uh, uh, the Pander King is going to <laughs> one opportunity to stand at the podium after a 42 to six victory and say, you know, Frank is a great coach. Got a lot Maybe of a Reich Frank Bills jersey. Be- Maybe break out like a Reich Maryland or a Reich Bills oh, uh, jersey. That would be spicy, pretty good. Yeah. Or gives it Nick, excuse me. Yeah. Um, so I do think there's going to be a lot of emotion. I think they're going to win uh, quite big. I think to me this reads like 31-13, 31-10. Uh, 
the concern is absolutely 100% unequivocally the way that the Colts are going to try to run the football. Having like as, as we talked about, like it wasn't like the Eagles' run defense was abysmal, but absolutely watching that Washington game without Jordan Davis in there. Now the Eagles have no Marlon Tweet below. Do they're pulling up Linval Joseph? Marvin Wilson, I'm assuming is going to play. Like it doesn't matter what the previous games looked like. When you're facing a team that's signing a guy off the street and they're going to have to play him, you kind of try to pick on that guy. You know, like that's just business. Uh, so I think they're going to try to run the football with Jonathan Taylor back there. Oh, worrisome. Then you watch this line play. This line isn't good. Like, you know, Bernard Raymond, second round rookie. Quentin Nelson hasn't been good since the foot injury. Ryan Kelly at center is, is, is a good player. Matt Pryor going to be playing in this game. Like, Eagles fans know Matt Pryor. This is a bad offensive line. Uh, the Eagles should be able to win their one on ones up front, should be able to get the stops on early downs. And then as you bring up, like, you play quarters, Matt Ryan's going to make you look dumb. Like, even, even when the yeah. pass rush gets there, Ryan's been taking hits all season, been making tough throws. Pittman will win a contested catch. Pierce will win a contested catch. Like, you you have to be able to heat him up, and you have to press off line scrimmage. You have to be willing to play man. And I think Gannon will get there. I wouldn't be surprised if he walks out playing quarters, and then eventually he he kind of gets some man coverage. Um, but I think that I think that they will. The, the, the thing about the Colts is that they're just so turnover-prone, and that, that even if they think they get yardage, I think that you're going to get to the red zone, and they're going to struggle uh, just to punch you, and I think you're going to get field goals. And then, yeah, offensively for the Eagles, figure out Dallas Goddard, but also... Right. AJ Brown's a matchup advantage. Devontae Smith is a matchup advantage. Myas Sanders is a matchup advantage. No Shaq Leonard. Without Shaq Leonard, the, the core of this defense is really poor. They're really good up front in the nose. Like Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner. Yes. They're great stopping the run in between the tackles. You can get outside of the tackles on this team really easily and force those linebackers to try to run, chase, and make a play. And without Shaq Leonard, uh, they struggle with that. So I think it's a game for your bubble screens, a game for your RPOs. Get get run game working outside of the tackle box a little bit. Get hurts and some rollouts, and you'll be able to find chunks in the running game. So yeah, I I, I think. It's very much a bounce back, get right game for the Eagles. Not like all the problems are going to go away in a day, but I think against the Colts, it's a soft enough opponent that you expect to bounce pretty quick. All right. We are on the same page there. Will we be right? Will we be wrong? Who knows? We usually will wrong. This is evidence. We're usually so wrong on the Eagles. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like you said, when you're close to it, uh, it, it's probably harder than when you're a little bit removed but maybe hey maybe we'll get on a hot streak it's what week 11 we've got uh, eight weeks to get hot with our Eagles it's week 11 holy smokes man i love that yeah because because now <sighs> you can start you know to use your term you can start deleting some of these uh teams i was looking at some of the matchups this week like okay i don't need to rewatch that mm-hmm. game uh on monday graveyard games baby yeah somebody ain't coming out <laughs> that's right so there are, those teams are only increasing week by week which i like this time of year first six seven eight weeks you're like all right I got to have a pulse on every team. No longer the case. All right. You know the drill. We'll be back to talk about it Sunday night after the game. Thanks to Benjamin Solak. Watch his video, the play sheet on the Ringers YouTube channel to see what this cameo from Tuanon is all about. I'll be checking that out. Uh, you can hear me on the scramble on the Ringer NFL feed on Thursday. You can hear Ben on the preview show on the Ringer NFL feed on Friday. All right. We will talk to everybody Sunday night on the Ringers Philly special.